Hi, Dr. Hamish Fernando. Hello, Yang. <laughs> and hi to all our listeners of uh, The Biomen Unreviewed, uh, a podcast where Hamish and I, uh, lecturers at the University of Sydney, chat about various aspects about biomedical engineering, but not necessarily in a factual manner, but more from our personal observations and experiences, and by no means peer-reviewed, because, well, who has time to peer-review during a chat? Today we have a guest today, soon to be Dr. Puria Lazani, an expert in carbon dots for biomedical applications, and he'll join us today to talk about nanorobots and everything related. So... And I heard that you're going on a post-PhD holiday. So introduce yourself and, and let us know where you're going to. And so we could be all jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Young. Hi, Hamish. And hi, everyone. Uh, it's very good to be here. Thanks for having me and inviting me to this podcast. Yeah, so my name is Puria. I just recently finished my PhD, in which I used to work on uh, developing uh, some kind of nanoparticles uh, called carbon quantum dots. And I use them for... Uh, so many different biological applications so far. And yeah, so I'm now doing a postdoc in the School of Biomedical Engineering. And yeah, in next three weeks, I'm going for a holiday. So <laughs> Where are you going? Where are you going? We could talk about the carbon quantum dots later, but where yeah. are you going in terms of holiday? <laughs> so first, I'm going to Iran to visit families. I mean, I'm having my sister and my mom here staying with me for last six months. But uh, I'm going there to visit my dad and also my friends. And then for a week or 10 days, we're going to Turkey to explore some cities in Turkey as well. And then again, come back to Iran. And then after that to Sydney. Yeah. And for more work, more research work. Yeah, for more research and hopefully some teaching. <laughs> Sounds amazing. <man>. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start off with a joke as we do for this podcast. To an optimist, a glass is half full. To a pessimist, a glass is half empty. To an engineer, the glass is twice as big as it needs to be. <laughs> so, of course, it's, it's a joke about fa safety factors yeah. and how uh, all engineers have to take that into consideration when they're designing or developing certain things. All right, so today we'll be talking about nanorobots predominantly, and, and then in the second part of the podcast, we'll be talking about organelles, which are, I guess, in some ways, a type of nanorobot. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and so let's, let's talk about nanorobots and... And I guess I want to start off by saying how the media, in my opinion, has been generally sensationalizing about the, the development of nanorobots, right? And currently, most of the developments are in nanoparticles right, rather than nanorobots. But having said that, though, there are quite a lot of research going on with nanorobots in uh, using proteins to develop nanorobots, right? And, and so... I do want to start off by just talking about what nano is. Yeah. And it's how it's usually compared in, again, media, that nano, they compare it with the size of a human hair, right? Yeah. So human hair is in generally in the microns range or sub-micron range in terms of the thickness. Is it in the micron range or sub-micron range? Do it's we know? It's, 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 I would it's say around it's about 50,000, 5,000, 50,000 microns, if yeah. I'm not mistaken. So definitely 50,000 microns? That's a bit too much. Sorry, sorry, nano. <laughs> nano. So nano 50 microns. Nano, yeah, 50 yeah, microns. Yeah. So, okay. it is, so it is in the micron. Yeah, so every time you read an article about nanoparticles, it's like, oh, these are the size of, like, you could fit 1,000 of this or 5,000 of this in, in the diameter of a human hair. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so with these nanorobots, I guess let's talk about nanoparticles first. And I know, Puria, you're quite sort of well-versed in this field. And, and so with nanoparticles, they're again, the nano-sized, and if you talk about nano-sized, we go from the, the scale from kilo to deca and then down to milli and then, then micro and then nano, so 10 to the power of minus 9. And so with this nano-scale, 
what are some of the let's say challenges in trying to make nanoparticles and nanorobots in your sort of view or in your sort of understanding? Yeah, so to just give you like a brief, as Young mentioned about the nano or nano scale. So imagine like we know we all know one meter is equal to one centimeter. Uh, sorry, hundred centimeter, and then again one meter is uh, equal to one million uh, micrometer, mm-hmm. and one meter is equal to one billion nanometer. So if we take one billionth part of one meter, it's gonna be only one nanometer. So this is the scale that we are talking about. Which is extremely tiny, right? Yeah, it's very, yeah. very small and tiny. So the nanoparticles are kind of particles which are like billion times smaller than what we are mm-hmm. in terms of like size or another examples to compare the size with the nano is that the size of nanoparticles compared to orange is like the size of an orange compared to planet Earth. How we define the nano or nano size. It's interesting how you're bringing all these comparisons up because it's really the only way that I guess the general public and the general sort of populace population, right, would be able to understand how small nanoscale is, right? I mean, even I. I don't know whether I would uh, be a member. I guess I'm a member of the general public as well. I don't know. I'm an academic <laughs> also, but even I would find it difficult. I mean, I understand how small it is, but I would find it difficult to really picture without yeah. a scale like that. Yeah. Because it's beyond, underst- I mean, I don't know if we can conceptualize yes. how small that really is without really comparing it to something like that. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, you can't even see it under light, right? Like, is it yeah. a typical, like, y- like if you try, if even if you zoom in as much as you can with an optical lens, you, you won't be able to see these nanoparticles nothing. because they are actually smaller than the wavelength, the wavelength of light. Of light. Yeah, yeah. That, right? that is insane to think about. And so the yeah. only way to actually visualize these nanoparticles or nanorobots in, in particular, right, is through other imaging techniques like electron-based imaging techniques or even um, imaging techniques at the atomic level like atomic force microscopy and, and the like. Okay, so, yeah, it's interesting how we... It's something that we can't see, something that we can't conceptualize, Usually these nanoparticles or nano robots are in sort of solution, right? Like in terms of like it's in a vial of liquid and they're dissolved in it or they, they, they float inside it. And that's the only way we could actually physically manifest and appreciate the existence of these nanoparticles, right? If there's a change in color in the solution or if there is a, let's say, if you react with something, you could see the reaction. And so that's the only way we could actually see the, or see in the general sense, the presence of these nanoparticles. So let, let's talk about, I, I do want to jump into the whole toxicity aspect of nanoparticles actually before we talk about the actual uses because the actual uses of nanoparticles and nanorobots tend to be along the lines of cancer treatment or cancer detection, right? early right. detection of cancer and early treatment of uh, cancer as well. But l- let's talk about the toxicity because it, it is a, it's the general acceptance of these nanoparticles being, let's say, even if they're slightly toxic, let's say, in the, in the most general sense, we're, we're willing to use them to treat cancer, right? And it's that we use things, we can use things that are slightly toxic to treat something that's very bad, yeah. in this case, cancer. Yeah. All right, so Puri, I want to sort of hear about your thoughts on the general commentary and the literature around toxicity yeah. of nanoparticles in general. Like you could, you could refer to various types of nanoparticles. With, for the listeners, there are many different types of nanoparticles out there, right? With uh, metallic-based nanoparticles, polymeric-based nanoparticles, ceramic-based nanoparticles, and also now with more research into nanorobots, molecular-based nanoparticles. 
Right, so I, I, I want to hear your thoughts on the general toxicity and how researchers are approaching this particular aspect in nanoparticle research and nanorobot research. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so we have different type of nanoparticles. So and then based on what we are using to make these nanoparticles, they can have different level of toxicity that we know at this moment. I think the one of the best examples of this uh, nano medicine technology that we use is developing some of this recent uh, COVID nineteen va- vaccine that we some of us uh, have already like vac- get these vaccines like mm. I think Pfizer maybe they have used uh, liposomes uh, technology so the liposome is a type of nanoparticles that they use kind of fat you know they mm-hmm. they made up from the fat from our body so they have very low toxicity and. Uh, yeah, as Young mentioned, there are different type of nanoparticles. We can use some uh, organic materials to make uh, nanoparticles out of them, or we can use some metal ions uh, to make nanoparticles. So there are different different things. But I think worldwide there is a like a general concern or not concern. There are like ongoing research that we all want to know that what's the level of toxicity is in like in relate to the nanoparticles in the long term, you know, in the short Mm -hmm. term, because, you know, the whole nanomaterials or nanotechnology field is very recent. So it hasn't been developed properly, like completely. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just a matter of time. So during the time we are trying to find out the level of toxicity of these nanoparticles when we have them in our body in the long term. Mm. Uh, So in terms of the application that we can get out of these uh, nanoparticles, there are many, many, many different applications that we can use them. Like, bes- like, uh, of course, we have so many biological applications out of them, but they can also be used for energy applications. Or mm. so, in terms of biological applications, that we, if I want to point to few of them, they can be used for like biosensing and mm. bioimaging. So, what does it mean? Um, so, let like in terms of bioimaging, sometimes. If we, we know that something is wrong in our body, and mm-hmm. then basically s- most of the time we need to do a surgery, open up our body, mm-hmm. and then see what's happening inside. But some of these nanoparticles that we are making, hopefully if everything works properly, we can just easily inject them into the bloodstream in our mm-hmm. body and then help them to go to the targeted area. And then using some advanced microscopy, we can visualize inside our body I- like non-invasively without opening up our body. So this is kind of bioimaging application out of them. And also for biosensing, uh, you know, like let's say uh, like Alzheimer's disease or Parkinson's disease, you know, uh, kind of we know some kind of treatments at the moment for this disease, but the problem is that we don't have the technique for early detection of this disease. So when we find out like we have Parkinson's, it's too late, you know. Mm. Uh, so again, using these nanoparticles, we can improve this early diagnosis of disease. So we can uh, find if anything is wrong in, in our cells at the very, very early stages, and then mm-hmm. we can immediately start the treatment and hopefully we, we, w- we don't mm-hmm. let the uh, like a disease to uh, progress in our body. Right. Yeah. So and uh, another like very, very attractive kind of uh, mm-hmm. application mm-hmm. of these nanoparticles is the targeted drug delivery application. Mm-hmm. So many researchers in the world mm-hmm. are now trying to make different type of nanoparticles and uh, use them for different targeted drug delivery application for cancer therapy and uh, so many other similar diseases that we have and we are very limited with the treatments. So 
I have a very nice example again for how these nanoparticles would work for the targeted drug delivery. So it's pretty similar to when we have when we want to go somewhere. So we have two options, like uh, at least two options. We can catch a Uber, <laughs> or we can use the public transport. Right. right. Mm. So this is the same that when we like take when we have a headache, let's say when we take the like a painkiller. This painkiller will distributed all over our body. And some small part of that painkiller will be taken up by the area that we have pain. So, there it, so this painkiller goes so many places that we don't even want it mm. to go, right? So imagine you want to go somewhere now, and you have those two options: the uh, public transport and catch a Uber. So when you like, when you catch like when you get a bus or something, so the bus will go all over the city and it stop yeah. at different uh, bus stations, and uh, so you you waste so many times and stuff. Right. So you go to where you go to places where you don't want to go. Like yeah, exactly. With public transport, because the bus stops basically everywhere along its route. Yeah. So yeah. for example, I'm coming from. Uh, five dog to Sydney Uni. So if I want to catch a bus, so it goes to Leichhardt, it goes to Petersham. There's so many suburbs, and then finally I get to Uni. But uh, as Young said, it goes to so many places that I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. But like imagine uh, you catch an Uber. Okay. So the Uber will act as the na- as the nanoparticles, and then uh, the passenger that's it's, uh, the, the passenger that sits in the like uh, Uber is the drug. So that's the drug that we can load to the surface or to the structure of the nanoparticles that we have. Mm. Right. And also, we can uh, load some specific materials on the surface of, t- of these nanoparticles that we call it targeting ligands, that they are specified to go and attach to a specific type of cancer cells or any cell types. And this is the Google map, or this <laughs> is the <laughs> GPS, <laughs> right? So we have the Uber, which is the nanoparticles, we have the drug, which is the passenger, and also <laughs> we have the targeting ligands, which is the Google map. Mm-hmm. So we set all of these uh, three items together, and then we inject it to the like a bloodstream. They start uh, going all around the body, but because of because we already uh, gave them the direction with the targeting ligands, they will only go to like let's say some some person has uh, like skin cancers or breast cancer, they will try to directly go there. Mm. As soon as they get there, they stop. And then they ask the passenger, which is drug, to get out of the car. <laughs> and then hopefully they will, uh, by releasing the drug, they have like high efficiency treatment mm-hmm. only on the cancer area, not mm-hmm. on the healthy mm-hmm. cells. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's a nice analogy, Buri. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do, you, do you use that in your class as well when you're teaching? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. yeah. So uh, like when I want to explain about the applications of this material, so it's always Good to be very simple. You yeah, know, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's cool. awesome. And, and one of my questions was how, when you mentioned the bioimaging, and uh, I was going to ask you how you managed to get the nanoparticles to the target area. And now you've explained that by talking about the ligands. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. that's one way that we can guide them to the area that we want them to be. Mm-hmm. And also the other thing is that like we have some type of nanoparticles that they are they have magnetic properties. Mm-hmm. So even with the external magnet, as soon as these magnetic mm-hmm. nanoparticles right. are in the body, by an external magnet, we can somehow also... That's uh, really interesting. Like yeah. remote control. Mag- remote control, remote control yeah. magnetic nanoparticles. Yeah, exactly. Right, so if you put a magnet near your head, then all the na- magnetic nanoparticles that have been injected into the body go into your brain. 
Yes. Or through the plug. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> is yeah. that is that done now? Uh, it's something that, as also I think Young mentioned, it's highly. Uh, res- I mean, it's been. There's a lot of research now. going yep. into that. Those kinds of nanoparticles where. You've got magnetic nanoparticles. Of course, magnetic nanoparticles have magnetic properties. You put them into the bloodstream, right? And then use a piece of magnet to, to uh, get them to a cancer or to, to a particular tissue. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. And also yeah. with the fluctuate... Okay, so something about with magnetic nanoparticles is that within a fluctuating magnetic field, they generate heat, right? And so yeah. uh, you could also fry the nearby tissue in f- around the magnetic nanoparticles. Of course, you don't want those tissues that are fried to be healthy tissue, right? Yeah, yeah. But if for cancer tissue, right, frying them, and they're more sensitive to heat uh, generally as well, then you kill the cancer or right. that you destroy the tumor tissue at yeah. least, right? And so there's a lot of research going to- uh, That's, ma- that's been performed experimentally. Yes, it's well. been performed experimentally yeah. in, in animals. Yeah. Right. yeah, you know, uh, like uh, our normal body temperature is 37 degrees, right? Mm-hmm. So by having this type of magnetic nanoparticles or any type of nanoparticles that can produce heat, mm-hmm. we can send them to the area like, let's say, a cancer tissue in our body. We can guide them to directly go there. And then when they are there, we expose them to the like a, ex- a strong magnetic field. Mm-hmm. And then th- the localized temperature will be increased up to 45 or 50 degrees only in that cancer area. And then because you're much higher than the normal uh, body temperature, as Young mentioned, they just fry the tissue and then they kill the cancer tissue. So just from a more layman's yep. perspective, yep. Uh, yep. because I'm not an engineer like you guys, um, so when you create that heat, how about wouldn't the heat dissipate? Or is that so, like, it's such a pinpoint area that there's not going to be any harm to surrounding uh, cells, is it? Yeah, so they, I mean, in the ideal situation, all of these nanoparticles will be uptaken or will go to the cancer area only. Right. And then when they start producing heat, it's not, I mean, it's going to be like for 10 seconds or 15 mm, seconds. Mm, so if okay. we, like, uh, if they start producing heat for a longer time, definitely they will affect the healthy tissue around right. it. So one of the challenges will be to engineer such a way that you control the amount of heat dissipated right. or... Uh, control duration so that, of course, the surrounding healthy cells and tissues may or may not be affected by the heat generated. Okay. But the idea is to try to heat up the cancer cells and the cancer tissue predominantly. Right. And like you said, the cancer cells are more sensitive to heat generally. They are generally more sensitive to heat. Okay. Okay. The, with regard to sorry, uh, with regard to the targeted delivery, now you mentioned liposomes being used for the vaccines. Yeah. Correct? Is that a... F- I, I guess it's not h- highly targeted, but does that contribute to the targeting or does it, does it just stay, only allow the uptake into the cells? Does it make it, I know it, it should make it easier, yeah. uh, but is the purpose of that just the easy uptake into cells and through membra- membranes? Is that why they're using the liposomes? Uh, yeah, okay. So the, re- so, uh, the question is that why they chose a liposome. Liposome specifically. Liposome yeah. is uh, one type of nanoparticles that has been researched and developed for like a long time. Right. And because they are just made from some biological components, mm-hmm. they have a very, very low toxicity or even no toxicity mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they are just, uh, the, the components is some part of fats or something that we can also find in our body. Right. Uh, so the main reason that they chose uh, those type of nanoparticles for developing vaccine mm-hmm. is is that because in regards to other recent developed nanoparticles, um, we are just 
able to go up to the like animal studies, throwing them in mice or some type of animals, but nothing more than that, because right. we are still not sure what's going to happen to them in the long term. Yeah. So when we have liposomes oh, in right. the body, uh, after a while, they start metabolizing. Metabolizing is happening, and then they will go away, because mm. we know that they're going to be digested by the body, and then they will just release through urine right. or something. Yeah. But yeah. So, so, so some of the listeners might be uh, sort of aware of the fact that cell membranes are made up of the lipids that you mentioned, typically glycerophospholipids. And with these membranes, right, and, and liposomes also made up of these glycerophospholipid uh, bilayer membranes. And some of you might think, do these two membranes fuse together to, for the nanoparticle to work? And surprisingly, at least, for, from my perspective, that's not the case, right? The fusion actually is very rare, right? It's usually um, endocytosis, right, where the cell... Uh, brings in the liposome as a whole into its own vesicle inside into the cell, right? And then uh, the metabolistic processes take place. So the, the lysosome pathway where it starts to degrade the liposome and then it releases the content inside the liposome, right? Right. Yeah, so that's how um, these nanoparticles generally tend to work when they are designed to go inside a cell to do its function, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's to deliver a cargo or deliver a drug or deliver mRNA, DNA, uh, or to... Uh, become a beacon to help with the imaging. Right? So uh, with carbon dots, carbon quantum dots, quantum dots in general, and other gold nanoparticles or magnetic nanoparticles, they get endocytosis inside the cells. Right. right. And then they do their sort of shining, they do their color uh, there, rather than being fused with the cell. Right. right. Yeah. Um, going back to your comment about the, the recent vaccines for COVID being lipid, nanoparticles, so liposomes. Uh, I, I wanted to check if that was indeed the case, and that is indeed the case. And, and what that reminds me right now is that these liposomes, right? one, they're, as you mentioned, they're made up of bio-based materials, and so they, they actually have very little toxicity, if any toxicity, and, and they'll be metabolized by uh, the human body, right? so the cells and, and the biomachinery there. And, and what also reminds me is that these nanoparticles, liposomes, and, and, and the like, they're there to really protect the actual thing inside, right? So in this case, with the mRNA vaccines, they're, pr- they're there to protect the mRNA, right? Which is then the activator or the, 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 the thing that does its job in terms of providing the immunity against, let's say, COVID and other virus-related diseases, right? Uh, and so you also mentioned about the targeting aspects, and what I wanted to sort of bring up there is, again, if you did the sort of high school biology or even high school science, uh, they we usually talk about the lock and key model, right? Where two enzymes or two proteins are uh, typically exist in a way that they uh, they match, right? Mm. And so, if you know what protein you're targeting or what molecule you're targeting inside the body, you could actually design the nanoparticle in such a way that you could have some of these proteins on the surface of these nanoparticles to bind sim- essentially via the lock and key mechanism to target certain areas of the body. Right, and that's what you mentioned. You were talking about ligands earlier. Yeah, that and that's the ligands. The mechanism uh, of it, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 <coughs> cool. That's so um, So we've been talking mainly about nanoparticles and we've sort of brought up liposomes. We also mentioned in passing about 
gold nanoparticles, magnetic nanoparticles, uh, and and both of them, both gold and magnetic nanoparticles have the capacity to heat up, yep. right? If you uh, for magnetic nanoparticles, if you apply uh, fluctuating magnetic field, magnetic nanoparticles heat up. For gold nanoparticles, if you fire fire some infrared light or near infrared light uh, to where the gold nanoparticle is, the gold nanoparticle heats up. Right, so it's the, the interesting mechanisms right, in terms of trying to kill cancer cells, trying to kill cancer tissue, and going back to the whole application of this then, right, with treatment of cancer, right, it impacts so many people around the world, right, and it, there's so many different types of cancers. And with these nanoparticles, right, I, I presume then, right, you'll have to, there will have to be multiple designs of these nanoparticles Right, and not and one nanoparticle design wouldn't be uh, suitable for all types of cancer. Right, so it's different cancer types would necessitate a uh, different nanoparticle design. Do you agree with that sentiment? Yeah, of course. Mm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for each type of cancer, so we need to, we can use like like let's say the uh, iron oxide nanoparticles can be used to treat different type of cancers, but what we need to do is that to uh, design based on the cancer mm. or the area that we want to aim we need to design these nanoparticles we need to engineer these nanoparticles in terms of size in terms of what we should have on the surface in terms of what uh, should be the surface charge of nanoparticles so i'll give you an example so and uh, also sorry and also the mechanism of killing right yeah, yeah. mechanism of killing the, do you do we want the nanoparticles to only deliver the drug to the area or we want the nanoparticles to deliver the drug and also produce heat and uh, like based on what we are thinking of the treatment so the design can be very very different uh, based on the application actually so like let's say uh, we want to treat a brain tumor using nanoparticles so uh, this is one of the most challenging uh, application that we can get out of the nanoparticles to treat cancer. And then the main reason is that the nanoparticles, since they are injected into the blood, they mm. need to pass blood-brain barrier, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which it's the very, very strong filter uh, under the under their way. Like you shall not pass kind of barrier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so you should, you, you need to make sure from what I'm understanding from this application is that you need to make sure your nanoparticle size is less than five nanometers, which is very, very small. Like the average particle size of gold nanoparticles or iron oxide nanoparticles is some, some, something around 20 or 30 nanometers. So mm. if you want to use them, you need to find a way to reduce the size below five nanometers. You need to somehow have a surface charge like because you know this like imagine a, a, a like a spherical thing mm -hmm. that's the nanoparticles mm -hmm. they have a surface charge so you need to have you need to have a kind of neutral or positive surface charge of these nanoparticles because from the research it was found out that if the surface charge is kind of positive or neutral it's easier for the nanoparticles to pass the blood brain barrier right yeah, and also you need to again think about the hydrophilicity or hydrophobicity of this uh, nanoparticles. So there are so many things that you need to consider in the design, mm -hmm. just the nanoparticles itself. So imagine you design and engineered everything about your nanoparticles that can easily pass the blood-brain barriers. So the next step is that to find the best way to treat that cancer or the brain mm -hmm. tumor. Mm -hmm. So is it just delivering one drug is enough? or you need multiple drugs because some of the tumors, they are 
kind of developing the multi-drug resistance. So mm. even if you deliver tons of drug to that area, they, they won't let the drug to go inside because mm. there is a mechanism happening in some of the tumors, the multi-drug resistance, uh, that they are very resistant to uptaking the mm. drugs. Mm. So in some cases, then you need to, while the nanoparticles is going there, not only, I mean, the nanoparticles should carry two different type of drugs to have ho- like an efficient uh, treatment in the brain tumor. So that's another thing that you need to consider. Mm-hmm. And also, based on the area of the brain that this nanoparticles is going, you, again, you need to have that like, type of biomolecules or targeting ligands that can help the nanoparticles to directly go to that area, not, not mm-hmm. any other places mm-hmm. in the brain. Because brain has a, like, a, a very complex structure. Yeah. Uh, of yeah. course, uh, you, you you want the brain to have a complex structure, otherwise we wouldn't be able to do the stuff that we do. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And just a quick a heads up for the listeners who might not know what the blood-brain barrier is, just so that you know, uh, the brain is extremely sensitive to external fluctuations. Uh, so the brain has a very tight barrier in which it restricts the uh, the types of molecules or um you know, different ions that can move in and out. Again, so you shall not pass. Yeah, yeah. so uh, therefore, that's why uh, Puri was mentioning just now, sending, delivering drugs to that area becomes really difficult, especially in the brain because of that barrier. Okay. Um, and yeah, uh, I wanted to extend on what you were talking about. You mentioned that the tumors, they become resistant to d- the drugs that we're sending in, even if it's a multi-drug therapy, right? So sometimes, yeah, sometimes, you know, when you deliver some specific type of drugs to this cancer or to to these tumors, after a while, they're getting a bit resistance to that drug. So they're adapting to the drugs because it's it's like a little mini evolution or something going on. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, I don't know, something happened inside. So uh, what I suspect is happening is that, like, once you start the treatment, some cancer, well, most cancer cells will die. Some of them may or may not live, right? And those that do live, probably they have some sort of genetic mutation or genetic sort of yeah. um, characteristic that makes them, by chance, resistant to these drugs. And th- when they multiply, right? Again, it's, it's, it's a game of probabilities there right. where now it's highly likely that most of those cells from the, the tumor cell that was essentially uh, multiplied from Right, that had happened to be resistant to that drug. Now most of the cells are now resistant to that drug because they they've been uh, duplicating from that. Yeah, right? and so you, you and in in the longer term, I guess it, it develops that re- resistance. I find uh, that really interesting because it's like antibiotic, it's, it's, like it's, antibiotic it's like resistance. Anti- yeah. yeah. But in the case of antibiotic resistance, the reason it's so widespread is because the bacteria can tend to actually spread, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but the tumors, I assume, would not spread it from person mm-hmm. to person. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even in that small stage within one person's lifetime, in that small yep. time period, even with multiple drugs, mm-hmm. that it can uh, yeah. become resistant. So it, it, it's I guess it's a, it's yeah. a terrible luck of lot. It's a terrible lottery sort of thing yeah. uh, uh, when it comes to that. So there, there's, of course, there's other chemotherapy drugs which are, Universally killing right. uh, that that kills basically healthy and uh, yeah. and cancer cells, and, and and I would presume then for those kinds of let's say drugs, even those kinds of drugs, the cells might be might develop a resistance to it eventually, right? Like at an individual level, right? Not mm. not as if like with bacteria where it spreads. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, just before we move on to our next topic, I do want to just go back on the whole aspect of targeted drug delivery, right? And how why why that's important for us to really 
if we have like a toxic drug that's designed to kill cancer cells but and also be able to generate side effects on the healthy cells, why that targeted is important. And you mentioned the whole uh, sort of analogy with Uber, Uber and, and the Google Maps <laughs> being the, the targeting ligand, let's say, to help the Uber driver get to where they need to go with the passenger being the, the drug to kill the uh, cancer. All right, so it's important because, again, if, if these drugs that are inherently toxic, right, with, with they're designed to kill cells, right, in it, mostly cancer cells, but also it, it damages the healthy cells too. Right? If they spread around the body, then you get side effects, right? That's why people lose hair if they go through chemotherapy because one of the, the, the effects of some of these drugs is the, the alopecia or the loss of hair, right? And also other side effects like nausea, uh, headaches, uh, and and like, right? And so you've got these uh, side effects and you want to minimize those side effects, right? Yeah. And so that's why we want to just deliver these toxic drugs to where we want them to go to, right? And so that's that's the importance of the targeted drug delivery. So we've been talking about nanoparticles mostly, right? So, and they're just, to me what they are, they are just simply vehicles or they're simply, again, cars or, or payloads or, or vehicles uh, to transport the drug or to transport the fluorescent molecule for diagnosis and treatment. There's also, I mentioned, I alluded to this at the beginning of the podcast where we have now research into nanorobots which can actually do stuff, like instead of just delivering, right, instead of just being a delivery truck, right, they are machines that, act, act, that can actually move, right, and they can actually uh, control certain physical aspects of biological function, right? And so, and, and these nano, uh, we call them nanomachines and nanomotors, right? And most of them are actually nanomotors. Uh, they rely on the interaction between the protein chains and the domains, protein domains, and hydrophobic, hydrophilic interactions between the protein sequences. So if going back one step up, proteins are made up of sequence of amino acids. Various amino acids have various uh, properties. Predominantly, well, one of the main properties is it's hydrophilicity and hydrophobicity, attraction and repulsion to water, right? And depending how close these amino acid sequences are to each other, right, and whether and if they're in some sort of aqueous environment, they interact with each other to essentially behave like flagellation or motors, right? And then it propels and applies force in a particular distance or towards a particular distance or a particular direction. And researchers have essentially encapsulated this and taken this to develop nanomolecules, right? And synthetic nanomolecules, nanomotors and nanomachines in a way that they can control how much force is going into one direction and how much, uh, let's say, force is applied, how much velocity is applied into this to create these machines that can actually physically move around. And what, what I was thinking is that these nanomachines and nanomotors that we're synthetically developing right now, they're, they're quite similar in its function where it, invo- it does involve the interaction between these protein chains. It's very similar to how our natural organelles work, right, inside the cell, right? Uh, an example I, I, I present to you here is like the ribosome, right? Ribosome is, is a protein, well, it, it's, 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 a, it's a group of proteins mm-hmm. where they bring amino acids from the cytoplasm, right, and connect it to the mRNA that's passing through it. And it lets mRNA pass through the ribosome, attaches an amino acid that uh, matches the the codons or the, the three uh, 
sets of amino acid sequences, right? And then it, it, it moves the mRNA along and then brings the amino acids and builds up an amino acid to create another protein. That's essentially a nanorobot yeah. by definition, right? And so I, I want to now talk about organelles, right? In response to the fact that these nanomachines and nanorobots are essentially what we're trying to do is create new organelles, really, right? Whether it's outside the cell or inside the cell. And so I'd like to sort of get your thoughts on what you think about organelles and, 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 and sort of the, what you appreciate about these organelles inside the cell. And I might ask Hamish to sort of talk about organelles. Right. So um, with regard to the ribosomes you were talking about, something I talk about with my students quite often is we talk about how genes and how our DNA makes us who we are. And I sometimes mm. ask them, so how exactly does this DNA or your genes make you who you are? What, what is it about the genes that make you unique? And the answer is basically DNA has genes, genes code for proteins, mm. and proteins structurally and functionally mm. to a great extent make you unique, all right? Mm. Your hair color, your eye color, mm -mm, skin mm -mm, color, mm -mm, mm -mm. all that, you know? So when you're looking at how your DNA ultimately, you know, becomes proteins, that whole process is an absolutely intricate, beautiful, amazing molecular process and Mm. involving all sorts of, like you mentioned, mm. essentially nanorobots, mm -hmm. molecular machines. Mm. Um, so just going through it, when, when you think about just once your genes are first split up and you form the messenger RNA. So to, form, to move from DNA to proteins, you got your genes. Your genes need to form mRNA through a yep. transcription process. Yep. Then the that MRNA, happens in the nucleus, yeah. Yeah, that happens in the nucleus. The mRNA leaves the nucleus. And then ribosomes bind to that and through a translation process forms your amino acid chain, all right, mm -hmm. which ultimately gets processed um, and folds up into your ultimate protein. Mm -hmm. Now, that's quite a complex process, but just imagine in your mm -hmm. body mm -hmm. that you already have, just through, of course, millions of years of evolution, that you have these little nanorobots capable of taking a you know, double-stranded DNA, splitting it up, binding, uh, you know, mm. more nucleotides to it to form an RNA strand. We can't, with all our knowledge right now, we can't perfectly replicate mm -mm -mm. that. Well, oh, we're trying to. We're, well, we're well, trying well, to. Well, not, not trying to replicate it, but trying to develop similar machines that could do other biological functions. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And uh, like I mentioned in the last mm -hmm. podcast, I do believe, uh, I have a lot of belief in human intellect, and mm -hmm. I do believe that one day we'll do that. Mm -hmm. But this is... I mean, when you think about evolution, all right, this whole process happened through a series of trial and error, and mm. ultimately we got this process in, mm -hmm. which, I mean, just, uh, to me, it's absolutely mind-boggling how this, how this can happen. Because obviously the first life form, let's say the first single cell, didn't have such a complex process. Mm -hmm. And just, of course, through millions of years mm -hmm. of trial and error, mm -hmm. you ended, we ended up getting this. Um, so... Like I could go through, I could go into the intricacies of how this happens. But before I do, I just want to take uh, Puria's take on this as well, as somebody who works in nanotechnology as well. Uh, about uh, yeah. you know, so, so uh, I'd like to frame that sort of Puria's, let's say, opinions on uh, how how close are we, or how far are we in terms of trying to replicate our cellular machinery, or what we ca what cellular machinery can do. Right, with synthetically developed nanomolecules or 
extrinsically developed nanomolecules and nanorobots? I think, like, based on what is happening all around the world these days and uh, the interest that the researchers and experts, like, showed with mm-hmm. the, this field or the field of, like, nanorobots or, or, or in general, nanomedicine, mm-hmm. I don't think it's, it's too far. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it can be very close. Like, mm-hmm. um, so my understanding right now is with these nanorobots, I can move from point A to point B. Because yeah. they have the motor, right, which which uh, is made up of proteins that can sort of revolve around, and it's similar to how uh, a propeller in a boat runs, yeah. right? <laughs> so there's been more developments than that. Yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, and then I think there are so many like recent developments, like in laboratory developments. Mm, yeah, that yeah. Now they are trying to uh, try it in the like uh, animal, like perform some animal studies, and then see how it goes in there, and then which is already done as well. But mm. then the next step would be the like trying on humans mm-hmm. uh, hopefully without any toxicity or any any side effects and then if it all works then it's gonna just like change the change the whole whole treatments all around the world you know mm-hmm. because it's gonna be very accurate uh, with high accuracy so we can ask these nanorobots to go from point a to b and do this for us and then come back so it's very straightforward procedures for uh, asking these robots mm. to do in our body for mm. different so with these nanorobots, I guess the main aim for these nanorobots to be doing, right, aside from moving from point A to point B, which by itself is, I think, useless, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's to facilitate the protein reactions, right, essentially, yeah. right? So to control uh, certain reactions within the biomachinery and, and essentially be an extra organelle, yeah. right, right, to, to do certain things. Is, is, that, is, my, is that commentary yeah. somewhat uh, correct? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, so from uh, what I know about this uh, nanorobots technology, yeah, so that's that that can be completely uh, right. So mm-hmm. I remember there is a paper published I don't know a few months ago in Nature that mm-hmm. they are also discussing not about like a research uh, results or something, but about the the future of these nanorobots in the mm-hmm. uh, human health and about what they can do in the body, which was very very interesting and. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, everyone are very like optimistic about the future of these nanorobots. So, uh, let's see. <laughs> yeah. So just just to reiterate, with these nanorobots and nanomotors and nanomachines, I think I mentioned this in uh, just a, a moment ago as well. It's that they they rely on the protein domain dynamics, right? So how the proteins interact with each other, how the molecules interact with each other, at essentially looking at the, the types of bonds and types of interactions, hydrophilic, hydrophobic interactions, van der Waals interactions, secondary bond interactions uh, between various sequences within the, uh, within the protein, right? And so uh, what that also reminds me is how our actin and myosin filaments in the muscle work, right? <laughs> yeah. The way that they contract, right, is obviously there's, there's some pre-signaling that happens, right, that... that and then that triggers the actin. Is is it the actin that looks like the bean sprout? Or is it the myosin that looks like the bean sprout? The myosin is a thicker one that's actually pulling on the actin. The actin is the ones that twist around each other. When when there's interaction between the actin and myosin, the actin head uh, bends. The, and mi- the, the myosin head binds to oh. the actin oh, okay. and then cocks. Oh, yeah, yeah. So the, the myosin's the, yeah. the, the, the bean sprout one. And then. The myosin has the head which pulls on the actin. Yeah, so actin yeah. is the filament that's the within filaments. the, the cytoplasm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you've got the myosin that uh, bends and then that creates the contraction. Yeah, right? exactly. And, so, and if, if you've got many of these actin-myosin uh, interactions, then you could actually see a physical manifestation of the yeah, muscle contraction. Yeah, muscle shortening, yeah. Right, so essentially we're taking that principle, 
right, with these nanomotors and nanomachines, right? how these proteins interact and apply force in a particular direction or move in a particular direction, right? and, and also how it facilitates certain protein reactions right? that happens in the biomachinery, which, which I think is, is quite fascinating. And to be able to do that and be able to control synthetically uh, these molecules at the molecular level, right? we're, we, we, we're at the stage of technology we can actually do that in. Right? Yeah. And so it's something that we can really look forward to in terms of the development in this space. Yeah. So, so he, he just expanding on this, it's just a yeah. question I normally deal with uh, recently. So as of recent, I've always been someone who, when I, when I think about the aging process, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am someone who is horrified of aging and, you know, just not to get all deep right now, but <laughs> in general, okay? But just to ask the two of you, if if you could live for, say, 200 or 300 years, yeah, would you? Yes. For you? Yeah, if I can be, yeah. like, healthy. Healthy, yeah. healthy, yeah, yeah, hel- healthy living. Yeah. All right, okay, so <laughs> same here. So wh- what okay. I was thinking was, now... When we age, the reason we age primarily is because a lot of the molecular machinery, one of the major reasons is because a lot of the molecular mm. machinery start becoming dysfunctional. Mm. Okay? okay, I see where this is going. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, for example, when we're talking about the DNA replication mm-hmm. process, mm-hmm. okay, normally there are there are so many checks and balances because there's or every time your DNA replicates, there's going to be an error somewhere. Mm-hmm. But your body has other machines that come in, yeah. checks, double checks, triple checks, quadruple checks to make sure everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. As we age, those those machi- the machinery becomes dysfunctional. Okay, mm-hmm. So that checking process is now lost. The mm-hmm. quality assurance mm-hmm. is lost. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you come up with cells or you know, DNA is produced and ultimately cells, tissues are produced mm-hmm. which aren't as, say to put it mildly, high quality as it was mm-hmm. when you were younger. Mm-hmm. And that is a major reason we go through mm-hmm. the aging process. But you yeah. lose fidelity, essentially. Exactly, yeah. 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 So, you know, another thing that might be really cool, hopefully, and mm-hmm. something that I would be really interested in is maybe down the line, once these start becoming dysfunctional, you could replace matter. them. Yeah, you yeah. replace them with nanorobots. That Just can inject some of those nanorobots and let those That's bad it. boys do their job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think as you mentioned, everything <laughs> starts at the molecular level. So mm-hmm. as as long as soon as we have the technology that we can like make the dysfunction uh, biomolecules to work again or the cells to work again. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. it. I think not only aging, maybe other like type of diseases also can be like. Uh, uh, solved mm-hmm. diseases for sure yeah and but here's the beautiful thing Th- if you think about it a lot of the diseases we get as we age is because we're aging mm-hmm. how many people do you yeah, i mean right. yeah cancer diabetes mo- lots of cardiovascular diseases stupid thermodynamics yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a result of aging right. unless it's an infection and even mm-hmm. in infection you're able to fight it off better generally when you're younger because mm-hmm. uh, your thymus and your immune system as a whole functions better and that's also a result you know as you age everything just becomes more dysfunctional and i've been reading a lot on aging as of recently and just if you think about it right now in medicine we're doing this specified approach where we're trying to fight cancer we're trying to fight cardiovascular diseases we're trying to find fight diabetes all sorts of chronic diseases but the the one of the major root causes of all of them is simply the dysfunction that happens as you get older and older. Because Mm. the probability Mm. you'll get any of these diseases is greater when you get older. Mm. So if you can stop or if you can minimize the damage that aging causes, that in itself would 
feedback on every other disease that you're seeing and it would yeah. reduce the extent of that happening yeah i would yeah. imagine so yeah. Right. yeah so so how long will it take for these nano machines and nano robots <laughs> to replace all the damaged machinery in our cells and Puri, yeah, save us, based Puri. on what <laughs> hamish mentioned we need to work harder from today <laughs> <laughs> no so I, i'd like to really uh, i i bring this up in my lectures as well but i, li- I really like to s- think of cells as machines and and sort of relating to this all right cells as machines as as i say with cells there's an input to the cells and depending on the input and the environment around the cell it generates an output right where those outputs tend to be sort of tissue proteins and in if the cell machine is working well then it produces healthy outputs right, right. if the cell machine isn't working well it produces unhealthy outputs again i'm over generalizing here but yeah. i hope you get my point if we can now use these nano robots to replace the broken parts of the cell machinery then instead of these old cells or so unhealthy otherwise un- unhealthy cells to be producing unhealthy products we can add nano robots and nano molecules in there to help have them make healthy products yeah. and and hopefully that will result in 200 300 year lifespan my yeah. god that would um, be awesome part yeah. of the reason i want to live for so long is because there are all these new discoveries that are coming up and yeah. i want to be there when yeah, they exactly. discovered i want to just experience that Very you exciting. know yeah like can you imagine like if they come up with a solution for what like the theory of everything or something and i <laughs> happen to but pass away two days before that i'd be like no i wanted to be there <laughs> like yeah, just my fascination for all of this i want to be around when all these things are discovered yeah, yeah. I, i would be surprised if it was just a single event though you'll be like a build up of these researches and build up of uh like findings to end up being uh, something that's Uh, clinically applicable mm, right yeah. like it's not going to be like oh one 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 research group is like hey we found this exactly and wh- which <laughs> yeah. is why you said that uh, the movement mm-hmm. or the walking was that what you said the nano robots are capable of moving yeah it's moving from point a yeah. to point b especially a lot of actin actin filaments right? yeah while that in itself is mm-hmm. not going to do much mm-hmm. that's a start so yes, indeed. yeah that's the indeed. first step to getting something else indeed. done indeed. but you know like for developing the uh, covid-19 vaccine like mm-hmm. we can say like all board i mean they were working together to develop this vaccine so if mm-hmm. we do the same thing with like developing this uh, mm-hmm. like nano robots or developing nano materials for specific applications if all like research like number of researchers large number of researchers start working together instead of kind of competing or mm-hmm. uh, something like that then we can get to this stage that have them like at least into the clinical trial very very soon in next i don't know few years mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. a covid-19 vaccine was developed in less than a year or right. maximum one year so because so many people collaborating yeah collaboration you know yeah. i mean uh, there was the actual science w- like the actual product was actually developed very very quickly even f- even sooner it's the regulations that yes, that took exactly. the time right yeah right yeah to make sure that it was working yeah, well in yeah. few months they yeah. could like at least yeah. have some very good uh, experimental results in the lab and then the trials and then up to one year we had it in the market and then we were just getting vaccination to be mm-hmm. to protect ourselves mm-hmm. against covid-19 like it's the, i think it's the same story with other technologies uh, like mm. the nano robots so if the collaboration happens all around the world together then we might have it soon and none yeah. of us will get old <laughs> i have a quick question for you before we wrap up right with these nano robots and nano machines we've been talking about how they made up of proteins synthetic proteins of synthetic biomolecules do you think it's possible to actually make these nano robots with synthetic materials not 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 let's say proteins per se but like with let's say gold or iron 
oxide particles or, or liposomes? Are, are we able to make nanorobots with them, or is it are we sort of limited to the domain of proteins where you do have those sort of uh, hydrophobic, hydrophilic interactions that allow them to move and apply force? Uh, no, I, I don't. I think uh, we don't have really limitations mm -hmm. of uh, what kind of uh, like uh, nanoparticles that we can use mm. to developing these uh, nanorobots. Mm -hmm. I think uh, there was a research that uh, a research group trying to make nanorobots out of the iron oxide nanoparticles. Mm -hmm. It's just a matter of how you're gonna engineer and design mm -hmm. the surface. Like and you have to get it down to pretty damn small as well, right? Yeah, Molecule exactly. molecules are sort of inherently small. They're, they're yeah. like less than. Tens of nanometers inherently, yep. but like it's with with the synthetic materials, there's also manufacturing challenges where you do have to have these manufacturing techniques to have it go below a certain yes. resolution, yeah, right, in order to make those little parts. Yeah, and then the other maybe challenge that we didn't talk uh, is that okay, so we you made everything, everything works perfectly fine in the lab, and then if you inject it to the animals uh, or yeah. to the body, the body is a complex thing. Yeah, exactly. As soon as they are in the bloodstream. The, like the body, they might recognize this whole nanorobot or nanoparticles yeah, <laughs> as the foreign materials. And then that's their job, to destroy yeah. it. They will attack to the whole system yeah. that you spent yeah. two years or ten years to develop. And then actually, that was that, that's actually a pretty big area we haven't even talked about at all yet yeah. with the macrophages. Like if you add anything foreign, like nano, nano or whatever, right? they'll just yeah. start attacking it. And so you do have to make sure that the macrophages don't destroy everything don't before destroy. it does anything. Yeah, it's again, there are so many factors mm -hmm. that can affect mm -hmm. uh, that you can reduce the risk of uh, macrophages attack to your system. Mm -hmm. Then you need to consider in your design as well. Right. So what I'm really hoping for is that one day we see so many of these nanomaterials mm -hmm. that develop to get into the stage that we can use it in the market. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can see now the quantum dots in the TVs, like QLED TVs. So mm -hmm. this is one application, not in bio, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. yeah. Hopefully one day we can see. It well, there are there are again like COVID vaccine as yeah. an example. There are um, nanoparticle based clinical so like solutions that are in the clinic right now. Yeah. Right? Uh, another one is Doxel, which uh, for those that are sort of in the nanomaterials field would be able to know what what it is. It's it's a chemotherapy drug that's been coated with a liposome uh, for cancer treatment. Right. Uh, I think uh, we have some nanoparticles in uh, cosmetic applications. Yeah, and there's uh, nanoparticles in cosmetic applications yeah, yeah, and yeah. and we, we could talk about this all day. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just wanted to just bring up also the f like while we were talking about organelles, like can we just talk about how the, the names of those organelles are wonderfully named, like endoplasmic reticulum. Oh. It, it, it sounds so good. <laughs> Mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, right? And <laughs> the Golgi apparatus. Like, I think it, they're, they're named fantastically well uh, and yeah. I think Hopefully, with the the synthetic nanomolecules that are coming through, uh, hopefully they can we can replicate the complexity of those uh, uh, wonderfully named organelles. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, yeah, hopefully one day. One day yeah. And just off topic, speaking of funny names, like I've always found the funniest names to be in uh, when you're talking about cosmology and astronomy. You know, when you're Big Bang, Big uh. Rip, <laughs> like the, it's it's so basic with the way everything's named, Milky yeah. Way. Like everything's named just in such a generic, like whatever name. Whereas What's when you go to biology, you got naming muscles and bones and all yeah. that stuff. All right, Latin, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's all Latinized and complex. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Whereas, I mean, think about it. What like cosmic background radiation. inflation, inflation, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. black hole. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
neutron star. Well, yeah. I mean, it's just so basic. It's not difficult to remember at all. Yeah. So mm-hmm. whoever studies that, I mean, they go through probably a lot of complex math and all that, but at mm-hmm. least the names are easy to remember. Yeah. But that's uh. a big challenge, actually, <laughs> to remember the names sometimes. Yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. biology, Confused. remembering yeah, the names yeah. is it's tough. A lot, yeah. It's a lot, Speaking yeah. of challenges, it doesn't look like Manchester United's going to be in the Champions League anytime oh soon. <laughs> for, those, for those that are listening, Puriya is a big fan of Manchester United. <laughs> Uh, yeah. And uh, also, as a disclosure, as well, I'm a big fan of Tottenham, yeah. Tottenham Hotspur, <laughs> and, and they won the the two big games recently yeah. uh, against uh, Arsenal and uh, against uh, Burnley yesterday. Yeah. Uh, Manchester United hasn't been doing that great though. Oh, they beat Leicester five one. I think did they beat Leicester five one? Let me check. No, I don't think uh, so. Um, was that was that Man City? I can't remember. What, what? Yeah. Anyway, Manchester United yeah. is in a big sort of yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't change. It doesn't affect anything. I, I've been like following Manchester United for, uh, I don't know, since uh, for last like fifteen or no, more twenty years so wow. since I was eleven. Hardcore fan. Yeah. So yeah, I'm a very like huge fan of Man United. So mm. uh, Wayne Rooney is the <laughs> is my <laughs> is my you, hero. You could tell, you could tell Peru's age by him like mentioning Wayne Rooney as the yeah, the main oh, yeah, star. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah, so. Not old After enough to follow Beckham, but old enough to follow Rooney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, like, since uh, Sir Alex Ferguson left mm-hmm, Man United, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it's a big challenge uh, mm-hmm. that all the club is facing. And then they're trying different uh, managers. So hopefully uh, this year when uh, Mr. Ten Hag comes <laughs> to the... <laughs> I think he's coming to the club today. Ah. That's the, uh, yeah, yeah, 16th of May. So hopefully he can bring some yeah. good players and uh, get rid of... Mourinho should have come straight after Sir Alex Ferguson. Yeah, that I was... Yeah. <laughs> Instead Mourinho of David Moyes. Or, yeah, or Guardiola was the best options after... Oh, I don't like Guardiola. Guardiola, yeah. he, he just follows <laughs> good teams and uh, I, don't, I don't like him. Um, I don't know. He, yeah. he, he, uh, he, he seems too arrogant for my liking. Um, even more arrogant than Mourinho. I don't know. Yeah. I'm a big fan of Mourinho. Uh, yeah. He shouldn't have been sacked by Tottenham Hotspurs either. Yeah. Uh, but that's a very unpopular opinion. If I s- say that on Reddit, I'll be downvoted a lot. <laughs> um. Yeah, but anyway, uh, I'm pretty sure Man United will do will back to the first stage very, very soon. So uh, with the new manager, new good mm. players, and we have Ronaldo mm. in the front. Oh, uh, he's oh, he's getting all... Uh, I, I'm a big fan of Ronaldo. Just, just yeah, to, yeah. Oh, I, oh, I, I think he's better than Messi. Uh, again, oh, again, I'll great. be downloaded for the heaps if I say that on a, on, on a forum. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's getting old though. Uh, and then hopefully... Uh, maybe he might be like LeBron. Like LeBron's like almost 30. What now? 30? How old is he? He is 36 or 37. Oh, he's, he's actually younger than Cristiano Ronaldo then. Yeah, Ronaldo's like 37. 30, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I uh, let me check. Yeah, Ronaldo's LeBron's like a, sorry, uh, LeBron's a freak of nature. Oh, he My is. goodness, <laughs> LeBron is nineteen eighty four December thirty. So thirty eight. Thirty eight. Thirty seven. Thirty seven. Oh, December. 30, 30, yeah, thirty seven. Yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, nineteen eighty five. So LeBron's actually older. Oh, yeah. yeah. LeBron's in. Cristiano Ronaldo's nineteen eighty five February uh, five. Yeah. So two months apart, or around two months apart. Yeah. Uh, LeBron's all, oh man, Le- what LeBron does though, like is in terms of like jumping around no, like that. Crazy. Speaking of basketball as well, I know we've sort of slightly gone over time, but that's, that's, that's fine. You guys can stop listening if you don't want to listen to <laughs> basketball. Uh, Warriors. Uh, they're, they're next round. Doesn't look good though. Uh, the Suns were getting destroyed when I last watched. It was halftime and they were trailing by 30. So I imagine Mavericks are coming in. I'd rather play the Mavericks than are the they Suns. In, are, are they playing now? Yeah, the Suns were trailing by 30 at the half. Game seven. Game seven. Are you serious? Yeah. At 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 <gasps> Phoenix. Sh- at Phoenix. They've lost, haven't they? Mavericks won. 
Mavericks uh, I, I would rather face the Mavericks than the Suns wow. as if I were the Warriors. Do you follow NBA? Uh, not really. Okay, no, so so you, you so you wouldn't appreciate how how what much of an upset that this is Dallas beating the Suns over seven games. Did not, yeah, did not expect that. Crazy, Doncic is a legend, honestly. Yeah. Um, wow. I would rather face the Mavs though, uh, just because I think we match up better. And I'm not very, uh, I'm I'm not feeling good because the Warriors, even though they won the last series, they didn't play particularly well. Yeah. Um, Oh, game six, Clay sort of saved them. Um, yeah, and of course, oh, wow. Kavon Looney getting those twenty-two <laughs> rebounds. Oh, wow, Mavericks beat the Suns. That's nuts. Yeah. So, um, and I think whoever comes in the West is going to get smashed by Boston anyway. Oh yeah, Boston, Boston, Boston beat the Bucks, Bucks today. Yeah, yeah, today. Oh, that was amazing. Like it's Boston. I thought Bucks would win the series, but Boston yeah. does well. They'll um, get smashed by Boston. Oh, Bucks wins. missed Middleton though, so um, I think that that's an excuse for them. Yeah. Uh, but wow, Mavericks. Mm. Full of second rounders, <laughs> uh, plus Doncic, and then and it's it's uh, they managed to beat the Suns. It's crazy. So it's it's Miami versus Celtics. Yeah, Celtics gonna win that one, I think. I, I would imagine. Mavs so. versus Golden State. That's anyone's game, but I'd imagine oh. whoever comes in would lo- uh, lose to Boston. I think Boston's way too strong. The fact that they swept the KD and the Nets. Oh yeah, yeah, but they swept them. This true swept. True. So that that's but something. I wouldn't have imagined KD ever getting swept. Mm, mm, mm. I'm just wondering. It's Kevin Durant, man. Come on. <laughs> I still seven yeah, feet tall, yeah, but, hits but, shots anywhere. Like yeah, but he had no support though. He had Kyrie. Kyrie's not a support. He, 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 <laughs> I know. I think Kyrie's rubbish since the Cavs days. Like he's in. He's <laughs> yeah, overrated. He, ne- he needs. He needs LeBron. <laughs> oh, no, he needs LeBron to help him out. He, he just, yeah, I think he does. Um, and anyway, uh. Let's no, see, not let's not see. a big fan of Curry. Not a big fan of Curry okay. for, for the negative influence he has in the uh, <laughs> for the t- for his teams that he's involved in, even with the Cavs, um, after after they won their sort of titles. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's a science it. podcast, not a bio- basketball <laughs> podcast. Yeah. So uh, get super excited uh, and deviated, but but what <laughs> all right. So thanks for listening, and uh, we'll come back with you, come back to you with another episode in a few weeks' time. So until then, uh, enjoy, see and I'll see you around. See you we'll guys. see you around. See you. Yeah, bye bye.